Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Shoot Your Shot podcast. My name is Espandi Arbarahini, alongside my co-host, Bradshaw Furlong, and we have a guest. You may know him from his own YouTube channel, Too Much Hoops, where he has so eloquently broken down uh, defenses in the NBA, and specifically, the NBA champion Toronto Raptors, another Brad in the building. How you guys doing, man? I, I hope I don't. I hope I don't make it weird. But to... The more Brads, the merrier. Yeah, we outnumber you. Yeah. So, I, oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. So I should probably not get into any arguments. <laughs> um, you know, we were talking about it off air just a second ago, but I'll probably go Bradley and then just Brad mm. if it works better, just for for questions' sake. Yep, that works for me. Okay, sounds good. Well, Brad. We've brought you here for a very specific reason. We're big, uh, we're big defense guys, and we've been going through um, history. We've been watching a lot of league pass recently as well. That's all there is. Yeah, I, I know. Honestly, it's that's, that's all there is. Have you been checking out on any league pass games or or watching some old games? Well, I've been going. I've been doing breakdowns of the Raptors championship run. I'm breaking down every single win, their uh, defensive plays, in about like 10 to 15 minute videos. Uh, so I've been watching those pretty intently. They've been taking up the bulk of my viewing, but I'm mixing a little, uh, you know, a little Lakers, Clippers here and there, a little uh, Clippers, Celtics, that kind of thing. Other contenders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure if anybody's gonna see it, but you got the We the North shirt going on right now. I like it. <laughs> Gotta wrap it. <laughs> um, what what draws you to defense? Like, what is what what was the reasoning that defense was the kind of first thing you picked to go forward with? So I started my YouTube channel last at the start of the uh, 2018-19 season, and uh, I was just really impressed with the Raptors' defense. I'm a big Raptors fan, obviously, uh, and I just wanted to showcase them to the world. Like, they were blowing my mind uh, on a routine basis, and I wasn't really seeing any highlight videos or anything where where guys took like these elite defensive rotations you know you, you see like blocks or steals on a highlight sometime but never like a crazy rotation where a guy like rotates to one corner then to the top then to the other corner and uh and i just wanted to bring that uh i figured there were pe- people like me who like that kind of thing so that's why i decided to go for it man there was a lot of that last year with the raptors too just because mm-hmm. like and i think i i actually saw it in one of your videos their rotation is was something else last season. Just yeah. absolutely amazing. And, and you know, one of those things is because of Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green and the addition of, of how they impacted the defense. But me and Bradshaw always talk about what really defines what a good defender is or even what defines a great defender, like what separates the two between it, right? There's this level of athleticism. There's this level of IQ that you're supposed to have. Um, I wanted to ask you in general, what do you think differentiates a good defender versus potentially a great defender like Kawhi? Um, So there's not one particular thing where it's like, once you got this, you're good to go. I sort of feel like as a defender, you have like a tool set. And if you have all of the tools, you are one of the best defenders in the league. And if you are missing one or two or three, maybe you're a good one. And if you're missing all of them, you suck. (laughs) <laughs> and uh and so i think it's all about building that up so in terms of my my tools that go into the toolbox my f- number one is going to be iq 
you you just you have to be in the right spot if you're not in the right spot you're screwed and your team is screwed and also the the other thing that iq does is it's just like snap decision making you need to know where you're going like as soon as the offense does otherwise that's how you get beat to the hole or whatever um and then there there are other things too like you you need versatility which doesn't necessarily mean you need to be able to guard one through five but you need to be able to like if you're a big man, like switch out onto a guy on the perimeter, defend him for 10 seconds and don't get dusted. Or if you're a little guy, like be able to play uh, Fred Van Vliet level of defense in the post instead of Trey Young level of defense in the post. That's huge as well. You got So it's like a, a combination of uh, strength, size, speed, foot speed, all those things, which brings me into athleticism. Uh, and and uh, strength is an absolutely huge one that I think a lot of people underrate. That's a big part of what makes somebody like uh, Mark Gasol so good defensively is that somebody like uh, Giannis, for example, is used to plowing into a defender, bouncing off him, using that space that's created to get a shot up. Whereas if you're going at somebody like Gasol or a big guy like Bam Adebayo, maybe uh, you're, you don't get that sort of separation and you're not able to score as well. And then uh, there are things, you know, there's like there's the the actual skills that are involved in it in terms of like getting up over screens do you know do you have a good defensive stance do you know how to shade a guy one way or the other um that kind of thing uh or do you have good hands uh and then uh effort is another one obviously i'm sure you guys talk about that all the time in terms of like you gotta you gotta want to play defense because the offense sure wants to score <laughs> and then and then I, no, what i was gonna say is like is is that is effort the thing that differentiates a good between a great, like, I mean, all of, like, if you look at like a guy like Steph versus a guy like Trey, Trey Young, right? Yeah. Trey Young doesn't try. I think effort is part of it, but I also think, I think a lot of it is like the skills that, that Steph Curry has developed over his time in the league because he wasn't, when he was a rookie or second year player, he wasn't as good of a defender as he is now. That's for sure. And, and just in terms of like, making sure you're disciplined to be down in your defensive stance or being smart enough to know when you need to switch off of somebody off ball or, or just knowing how to get up over a screen or whatever. I, I think that's a big part of it too. I also think like uh, for those two guys specifically, uh, Steph, I would say has bulked up a lot in the last three, four years. Like he and Trey might've been the same size when Steph came into the league, but I would say they're not really anymore. Um, and, uh, so I think once Trey bulks up a little bit, if, if he dedicates himself to learning some of the skills and putting in a little more effort, I, I think that'll help him, uh, step his game up to a passable level. Um, but you know, that takes work and not everybody puts it in. So being a stats, like being like uh, between the, between S and I, I'm more of the stats guy the, between the two of us. And one thing I've always found hard to kind of quantify in, in stats has been defense. Uh, with deep, like with defense in particular, is there like a, a number you look at? I, I, I don't know if specifically you like if you're more of a stats guy, but is there something you put more weight into, like DBPM, uh, win shares, the Raptor rating, or is it like like is there one kind of overarching defensive stat you look at, or is it like a combination of a couple different ones? I usually end up doing a combination of a couple different ones. Plus, I also put a lot of stock into what I'm seeing when I'm watching. And, and I also put stock into, you know, what when you hear players talk in interviews about who's a good defender and that kind of thing, too. That carries a lot of weight with me as well. Um, in terms of ones that I tend to look at, uh, defensive win shares are pretty nice. 
but that is a, that's a volume stat. So, for example, if you want to pull the top 20 defenders from last season, I'd be surprised if Jonathan Isaac is on it because he missed, you know, a third of the season or half the season. And, uh, and, and so you got to be a little bit careful. But what I like to do is, is take, like, defensive win shares, uh, defensive block, box plus minus, uh, DRPM, and then I'll, I'll look at, like, PIPM and that kind of stuff too and just kind of see who's floating close to the top in multiple of them. Uh, and I find that that usually won't steer you too too wrong in, in terms of like who is actually a really good defender in the league. Uh, but it'll, it'll still miss some guys here and there too. No, I agree. I agree. I, I think like stats, stats are such a useful part of defense because it's, it's a hard part to measure. But I also feel like watching the actual game and, you know, more specifically, Bradley, what you do with, with your YouTube channel, it's an important part too to just visually understand what makes a good defender. It's, it's getting out to those rotations. It's, it's having the IQ, the knowledge, you know, hedge over or, or potentially like go over a screen, go under. It, it, it's more knowledge-based than probably any other aspect of the sport, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I think some like point guard level of playmaking gets really IQ heavy too uh, in terms of like reading the floor. But uh, defense for sure. And, and one of the other things that goes into it that people maybe don't think a ton about sometimes is uh, when you – like what kind of a scheme the team is playing for example on the raptors like i don't like using matchup data when i look at the raptors because their scheme is so rotation heavy that if a guy is getting an open shot he's getting an open shot because somebody missed a rotation like three rotations ago yeah and they'll and, literally switch on everything like they'll they'll switch on pretty much everything yeah exactly did you uh did, did you ever have that debate of steph versus trey young and and just like the whole is Trey a lost cause when it comes to defense? Because, like, do you, do you feel that way, or do you think a guy can kind of redeem himself throughout his career and learn? I mean, if you, I've, I feel like if you were having this conversation after Steph's second season, you probably would feel about the same way you do about Trey right now. So I, I'm not ready to bury anybody. I, I always think, like, through training and effort and skill development, you can at least become an adequate defender. You know, not, not, you know, Draymond or something, but uh, you can get to the point where you're not killing your team's defense. I, I love, I mean, Brad loves defense just as much because I remember when we were having, I, I'm sure you'll remember this. We were having the argument between um, who was going to win six man of the year this year, Montrez versus Lou Will. And okay. he, he was not giving it to Lou Will at all because <laughs> of the defensive end. Like obviously Montrez is way more of an impactful player defensively. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I know, I know defense is an important part of the game. I, I feel like the offense is so more, so much more attractive. So it gets mm -hmm. a lot of the attention. Yeah. And I also think there's, you, you can have a defensive limitation. Like sometimes you do the best defense in the world and the guy just drains the contested shot or whatever. And, and you're a little bit helpless. Whereas on offense, if you're playing the best offense in the world, you know, you're, you're KD on God mode and, and nobody can stop you. Speaking and of KD on God mode, <laughs> by the way, if, if KD had played in the 70s, oh, 80s, God. 90s, I, I'm pretty sure one of you guys has seen this tweet, the one where it's like he would be charged for witchcraft because he actually would. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he won, like, there's an argument potentially for him if he were to play in that era to be what Michael Jordan is to us. Uh, but that, that's another pod for another day, I guess. Uh, 
I'd love to see a lot of modern guys go back and, uh, you know, peak Curry, like 2015, 16 Curry, just dropping bombs from like 35 feet. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. It it brings up the conversation. And obviously the last dance is is an aspect of this, too. It just finished up, which was uh, awesome. I'm sure you finished it up. I don't want to spoil anything for you, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> oh man my pacers are gonna take them down <laughs> they have a, this is the year this is the this is the year they got it that that was literally me in 1998 <laughs> were you were you uh opposed the bulls in 98 was that what it was i was uh i always like to be a little bit different uh everybody in my house was a bulls fan at the time so i uh i had been a pacers fan because uh, i was kind of a dick like reggie miller and uh, like to get in people's face and, and yell at people courtside. <laughs> so I, I like the attitude. He had a book that came out when I was a kid, too, called I Love Being the Enemy. Uh, so I, I, was, I was always attracted to Reggie Miller. Uh, you know, not, not as cool now uh, post-career, but uh, I enjoyed watching him break hearts in New York and stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, that, it's fun. I mean, I wasn't around for that time, but going back and, and watching it, it, it's it's really unbelievable and i had um, i had a friend whose cousin was a massive reggie miller fan so anytime you talk about like steph curry and clay thompson they'll just be like nah reggie's gonna take him don't worry <laughs> i i saw a poll today where it was it, right now who would you trust with a team clay thompson or reggie miller does your opinion change now that you're a little bit older and, and you understand the game a little bit more is it clay or is it reggie I would go with Clay Thompson at this point. I think his perimeter defense is a lot better, and I like. I think Clay Thompson is probably the second best shooter of all time, and I don't think that's a particularly controversial thing to say. Um, so, so yeah, I gotta go with him. The 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 one area of concern with Clay is like, can he be the number one option? You know, we've seen Reggie be the number one option, but uh, you're never gonna know it until you see it, right? Well, and and yeah. could could Reggie be the number one option? You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. It's not, it's not like they won two rings. Yeah, 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 that's true. Um, so, so let's let's talk about the different eras. The 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 whole idea that you know there's this comparison between the '70s, the '80s, the '90s, and you know defense is a huge aspect of that as well, just because of the rule changes that we've seen with hand checking, you know, zones. I mean, I, I was watching an Oscar Robertson game uh, in the '70s, which, by the way, we'll we'll, we'll get into. Oh that. God. Well, I won't, I won't say, I won't say because (laughs) I've been getting roasted for this, Brad. I said that I would potentially beat Brad, uh, Oscar Robertson. You didn't say potentially. You didn't didn't say potentially. Would potentially beat who? He said he, he said he would beat Oscar Robertson one-on-one. Ooh, that's, uh, that is a tough prediction. And I don't know if I can co-sign that. (laughs) It's, it's just that I, I was watching the game and this is supposed to be the 1971 NBA finals or 1970, whichever year. 71. Yeah. 71. Come on now. And, and Oh man, it's just, it seemed so bad. It seemed, <laughs> it was so hard to get through it. Right. But, but there is this element of, of the different eras and different rules that we've had. And if that makes, you know, the seventies, eighties, nineties era better for defense, or does it make this era better where you have just plain just better defenders, more athletic. The rules are more geared towards offenses, so it's mm-hmm. it's harder to actually play defense. Which yeah. which side of the fence are you on in that? Because I'm kind of I'm in the middle here with that as well. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit tough in general. I'm not a big fan of of comparing between eras because it, there's just so many variables. 
like even if you even if you just look at the three point era like in in the 80s nobody was shooting hardly any threes and then in the 90s that was like a revolutionary thing that you would shoot some threes and even if you look at the Steve Nash Suns they started bombing threes and that and they still would be I think in the lower half of the league in terms of three point frequency so so stuff like that just and that's not even a rule change thing after 1980, you know, the rules instituted in 1980, but it just takes so long for players and coaches to get accustomed to it and, and figure out the different ways to use it. So it gets really difficult to play, bet- uh, to compare between eras and, and on, in terms of defense specifically, the big change, people talk about the hand checking a lot, but they don't talk about the zone defense rule that often. Uh, which if you watched basketball in like the nineties and eighties, like zone defense was instituted basically to prevent zone or sorry, the illegal defense rule was instituted to prevent zone defenses. And like the upshots of that is like, you can't play halfway between your man and somebody else on the weak side of the ball or on the weak side of the court. And, and that just makes it so hard to like, shade towards a guy and send quick double teams or run towards a guy with a double team and then run back out to your man as he throws the pass. Everything has to be like a hard double. Um, and, and so there's not the sort of same sort of like mental processing that's going on in real time. And there also isn't the same. I don't, I would be really interested to see like uh, the number of miles run by players in that era. Uh, because I, I often wonder if, if people were flying all over the court defensively like they are these days. Yeah. Well, I mean like the, the pace was at a different level too. So that number would be, that number would be a lot lower. I I feel like, I don't, I don't know it off my head, but I just, I could imagine it'd be low. I don't know. That's an interesting concept to actually think about, to be honest, because it's, it's cool to me to see the difference in eras just because of comparing different guys, different players, like, yeah. Magic Johnson in the 80s, I think in his rookie year, he averaged like two steals, two blocks. He was a defensive monster. But was that a byproduct of the fact that the offenses were bad or was that him just being a really good defender, right? Yeah, and and I think I think it is probably a combination of both of those things or not even that the uh, offense was bad, that just that it was different. Like if you don't have guys who can bomb threes, that means you don't have guys spaced out to the three-point line surrounding guys in the post. So now if if the man you're guarding is standing inside of the three-point line, that means you can be even closer to the post player. Maybe you're able to reach over and get a couple more steals than you would in the modern game. Um, so there's that kind of stuff too where it's just like all those factors kind of go together to make it make it really tough to compare across eras. There are a couple guys on our on SNI's last podcast. There are and these are two guys that they're kind of more modern NBA defenders. But we were and we discussed it. I don't personally have like a, a horse in this race, but S was uh, really defending one of these two guys, uh, Ben Simmons and Pascal Siakam. Okay. Uh, the guy and the guy we had on our podcast as well was a, a Sixers fan, so they were going back and forth. Obviously, I think personally, I think Simmons is a is a better defender. I don't think you can. I don't think there's much of an argument against that, but. Uh, uh, is there an argument made that Siakam's not that far off of being like in that same tier of defender as Ben Simmons? Hmm. It's a difficult question. I I would say Siakam, he's not that far off defensively. 
Um, uh, like, I still think he, I think Ben Simmons, to, to be very clear, I agree with you, Brad. Like, Ben Simmons is a, a, an all-defense level player this season, and Pascal Siakam is an all-NBA player, or maybe third team or just on the fringe, but he is not an all-defense player this season. And they sort of have different roles. Simmons has a bit of a better body for it, I think. Um, he's a little bit more built and has uh, more length. Uh, Siakam has the, uh, a, a, an incredible amount of agility, but maybe not quite as much strength. Um, so I think, I think I like Siakam a little bit more on the perimeter, but Simmons, I, uh, rim protection, I would say is, is definitely a step up. Um, and, and I would say Simmons is just, ju- just one tier up uh, in terms of defense overall. And and once you take their whole games into consideration, I would I would say they're a lot closer to equal. Yeah, well, I mean, whole games. I think uh, we came to the agreement: scoring, offense probably goes to Siakam, but then playmaking will go to Simmons and and vice versa, right? Like, yeah, it, it's 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 tough, but I'd say it's close. And we were doing this in a in a redraft, which which one you take overall first, right? Simmons or Siakam? I I, I don't know. I think maybe a year from now, maybe Simmons takes that another another step up, and he's in another stratosphere. So we'll definitely say Simmons. But right now, I would say it's a lot closer than we could imagine. Right now, I would I would take uh, Siakam personally because uh, I mean Ben Simmons just has a part of his game that can cause your offense to fall apart, and that's being able to completely ignore him when he's on the perimeter, and that you know we saw how that. Uh, broke down the Bucks offense in the Eastern Conference Finals last season with Eric Bledsoe on the floor shooting 17% from three, and the Raptors just ignored him on a lot of possessions. And with both him and Giannis on the floor at the same time, it it really shrank the floor for the Bucks and uh, and made their lives difficult. So I, I'd rather have a, a two-way player who can do multiple things on both sides of the ball instead of somebody who has a hole like that in their game. Ah, oh, Eric Bledsoe. Nah. <laughs> the great, we'll get into the great Eric Bledsoe debate again at some point. I'm sure we will ask. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, like, yes, that's, that's a, that's a big element. Um, Eric Bledsoe. I just, I'm sorry. I'm so stuck on that. But I, I think, I think one of the important parts of Siakam versus Simmons is just the fact that like, man, Siakam wasn't even supposed to be in that conversation and he yeah. somehow put himself in that conversation. Yeah, that's very true. And and something else worth mentioning too is that uh, Simmons is I don't know five years younger probably at least, um, so that that makes a difference as well. Um, you know, obviously, big Raptors fan just like I am. Uh, you see my mirage of all the stuff that I have behind <laughs> me that's Raptors related. Uh, one of the one of the more so so I'll tell you this. This is a story I have from Nick Nurse, and Brad might remember that when Nick Nurse first got hired, I was super skeptical. Um, oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah, yeah, I I was super skeptical. I was I like, was man, not. man, like this offense with DeRozan and Lowry, it wasn't working. This is ISO heavy, and then you hire your offensive coach. This makes no sense. Like we have to move into a different direction. This doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I, I'll I'll clear the air here. I was absolutely wrong. Um, I'd like to say I was. I was big on the Nick Nurse hiring from me. I'm not even a Raptors fan. I wanted Nick Nurse as the coach of the Bucks when they were looking for a head coach. I'm obviously fine. I was fine with Bud getting picked as well, but I wanted Nick Nurse. He was my number one. Yeah, yeah. I, hey, by the way, you know how Brad, you said, Bradley, you said 
you were kind of different when you were growing up, uh, a, a house full of Chicago Bulls fans. Brad's the same, man. A city full of Toronto Raptors fans, and he is in Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> and I turned out into a Bucks fan. Oh, I didn't realize he was in Toronto. I would have been che- treating him with a little more disgust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's real. Trust me. Yeah. He, yeah I, I picked the Bucks before they were like even kind of relevant. Okay. Like right. they, they were they weren't even relevant. They weren't even relevant to the city when I when I when I chose them for my team. Yeah, this right, is like, I'll go with a moderate level of disgust then. Thank you. Thank you. This is like uh, Brandon Jennings days. I mean, like Brandon. That Jennings is the was... exact time when I became a Bucks fan was because of Brandon Jennings. Yeah. <laughs> um, back to Nick Nurse and, and my skepticism to him. Like, honestly, I was wrong. I'll, I'll agree to it. This is like, I mean, Nick Nurse has been one of the most pivotal factors, not only last year, but this year as well. Mm. Um, wh- what do you think is one of those schemes or strategies you think he's pulled that's kind of stuck in your mind? What makes him so impressive to you as a coach? Is it his creativity or just his willingness to try everything? Yeah, those those two things sort of go hand in hand. It's like it's it's flexibility and uh, creativity and, and willingness to try stuff uh, because a lot of I, – I think the, the three-point shooting took a big leap uh, in throughout the 2010s in terms of volume. And I think that sort of forced people to think about how to revolutionize the offensive game. And nobody put a ton of effort into revolutionizing the defensive game. There was some stuff that happened like when, when the Celtics were running, uh, started icing pick and rolls, I think in the 2008 season, 2007, 2008, around there. And, uh, and that was sort of an innovation on defense. And then since then, it was it was just uh, I don't know. I feel like I wasn't seeing the same level of zones that I'm that I saw from the Raptors last season. And then I've noticed even this season, like you'll see Brad Stevens running defense at times that looks a lot like the Raptors. And uh, and another thing that is huge for the Raptors is that they just don't have bad defenders who play. Like it, their their top I don't know nine guys probably are all really good defenders, and last season were as well. And so you have that flexibility to run a scheme where you literally switch everything and just get yourself into rotation because everybody's these incredible athletes who can, who can switch one through five, you know, for a short period of time. Um, and you don't have to worry about, you know, all of a sudden you've got Kemba Walker switched on to Kawhi or something and, and now you're fucked because Kawhi's just going to kill you. It's over. Yeah, yeah that's true. I have noticed, and I think I, I was reading an article a while back where um, they they said that uh, Nick Nurse was actually getting calls from around the league, getting him to kind of, hey, how'd you use that zone? Or, mm-hmm. or what'd you use in this situation at this time? Like, he's getting these type of questions from other coaches. Like, Yeah, that's, that's great. And, and another thing that the Raptors do well, I heard Nick Nurse talk about uh, running a, a zone defense with man-to-man responsibilities. And, and it's really interesting to watch the Raptors through that prism. Uh, and, and what they'll do a lot of the time is they'll start their defense. It looks like they're in a man. And then as soon as the offense gains an advantage, they basically drop into a zone and let themselves recover from there. Uh, and then and they snap between those two things so quickly that the offense sometimes doesn't have time to catch up. 
Um, and, and so that's why you hear like uh, Jason Tatum uh, saying that the Raptors are the hardest team to play against on defense, or you've heard Giannis talking about how he has nightmares about Marc Gasol coming over with the double team and stuff like that. Cause it's just, it's so dynamic and it really, it really leans on the IQ of the offensive players to try and make snap decisions and, and choose from a lot of options that aren't super appealing. Um, and, and that sort of has helped the Raptors carry themselves to, to huge heights, championship heights. Absolutely. And, and not only does that force the offense to communicate and be smarter and, and have to try different things, but the defense, like you have to have an extreme amount of confidence in your defense and be able to communicate on the spot, like on the fly in yeah. order to run that. Right. Yeah. And as, as much as the, the communication, it, it's also like having that everybody is on the same page. They all have that same level of knowledge and, and, before they even talk, they know what the what they're going to do in general, and then you communicate if you need to change that. Um, so, so it's really important to have everybody operating with a high IQ and being on the same page. And not every team has that luxury. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, if, if I don't, I don't mean to kind of put you on the spot, but do you have a, of an idea of who your favorite all-time Raptors defense team is? Like, if you did a starting five. I mean, it it is mostly going to be people from the last two years. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to have Rosho Nesterovich in there. I get it. No, there were there were a lot of lean years in there, um, and and I think the Raptors do have a lot of great defenders right now. In in general, like they they have Mark Gasol, who was an all defensive level all defense level player. He's not like uh, he can't jump through the roof or anything, but he has great feet, great agility, and then he's got that strength that I mentioned earlier as well. He can sh uh, contest shots at the rim, that kind of thing. And then OG Ananobi, I want him out on the perimeter, uh, you know, just bottling guys up. He's got a good combination of strength, foot speed. He's got that great wingspan. He's got great hands. Um, so that's all really huge. Uh, I think I got to go with Pascal as well for similar reasons. Um, I was looking through the forwards. I was like, well, I mean, Oakley, like old-ass Oakley. Um <laughs> Uh, so I had to. I decided to go with Pascal at the four, and then uh, I I couldn't decide between Fred VanVleet and Kyle Lowry, but I only want one of them in my starting lineup. Uh, the other one can be the sixth man, uh, because my fifth starter is going to be Doug Christie. He's <laughs> what a throwback! What a throwback! Yes, yes, yeah. the love for Doug, man. He, yeah, gotta he, go with him. He was great. Pretty sure he still leads the Raptors all time in steals, right? That would not shock me at all. Yeah, I think I think he does. I'm not too sure, but man, yeah, yeah. No, he's been great. That is a that is a nice team. Like, yeah, I'm just I'm just a little surprised we don't have 39 year old Akeem Olajuwon in that starting five. Come on now, come if on. I get, if I get peak Olajuwon, I'll take it. <laughs> no, it has to be 39 year old Olajuwon or bust. That's it. Um, I, I mean, another guy you could do off the bench is probably Serge. I think he he leads all centers in in playoff blocks or something like that that, that was oh really crazy. yeah it, oh, no, it, I didn't it, know it, that. it might be it might be through a certain range of time i'm not okay. sure if it's oh, okay that, yeah. would, that would that would make more sense yeah but but it i mean surge is definitely up there you're right that most of the good defenders that we've had have been or even great defenders have been throughout these past couple of years yeah uh, goes to show you raptors development and and what they got coming up in the future i mean I think I'm ready to do it. I think I'm ready to do the Battle of the Brads. Oh, God. I, I, <laughs> right. I, I've, I've been planning 
this ever since <laughs> I messaged Brad because like it's just such a perfect moment to do Brad versus Brad and listen he's battle he's trying to pit us against each other Brad oh god yes yes yep. all right what one's got a we the we north can't let shirt him come on between us Yes. One's got a We the North shirt on, and the other has a Giannis Antetokounmpo jersey behind him. So we have to battle this out. Um, and also, Battle of the Brads is just an awesome name. Like, come on. Like, you know. um, it, is, it is a good name. You need a new uh, podcast partner, Brad? Absolutely. That's the new podcast. <laughs> oh, but okay. I want you, I mean, everybody is talking about the whole Giannis and him potentially leaving 2021. I'm sure Brad has seen that in nausea, <laughs> like just Raptors fans going crazy over it, including myself, 100%. It's um, gross is what, it's so, gross is what it is. Oh, come on. So, so let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do a debate. We're start, are we starting with, are we starting with Giannis? Uh, I don't know. Okay. We'll leave Giannis for the end. We'll leave Giannis okay. for the end. Okay. We'll talk about this season, and I'll leave the floor open to both of you guys. You guys can pick whoever goes first. Do the Raptors have a genuine chance of upsetting the Bucks this season? We've seen, we've seen the Bucks kind of handle the Raptors pretty well in their regular season meetings, but in the playoffs, it's a completely different story. Do we see them upsetting them? What do you consider is a good or a reasonable chance of beating the Bucks? Uh, I would say a 50% chance is a reasonable chance. Then I would say no. I, w I, w I, would, I would say the Raptors are underdogs in this. I think they have like a – probably they should be like 2-1 to one or 3-1 to one favorites, uh, the Bucks should, somewhere in there. Um, and they're, I, I can just start going through the reasons for that if, if you'd like. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so so one of them is like Giannis just got better. Uh, his shot is better. I think he's you know he's only shooting thirty percent from three, but I think he shot twenty five percent last season. Like that's that's better, <laughs> undeniably. Um, uh, the Raptors have obviously they lost Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, and those are big losses. And one of the one of the um, underestimated parts of that loss is losing the size of Danny Green at the two spot. Um, cause you swap them for Fred Van Vliet and now you just don't have that kind of length, uh, in terms of switches and in terms of getting out and contesting shots on that, that kind of thing. Uh, one of the things going in the Bucks favor is that Bledsoe can't possibly be worse offensively than he was last season. Um, it, it, it'd be, it would be very hard. It would be very hard. <laughs> but yeah, he that's... does, he does find a way to surprise Bucks fans constantly and <laughs> not necessarily good ways either. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so I, I think that would, uh, that would probably have some impact. And then the, the other thing is that the Bucks, they, their defense is so much better this season. They, they look amazing. They really figured out how to optimize their scheme. Um, and, and they, I mean, they've been destroying teams that like far and away head and shoulders above the rest of the league defensively. But one of the big things that I'm not sure about this season for the Bucks is how they are going to hold up. Uh, in terms of defensive flexibility, so one of the one of their biggest problems is they play that drop coverage in pick and roll, and that's great. They are absolutely monstrous with that defense. It's the best defense in the league. But I, I just don't know if you can play five out on offense and you have a big who can pick and pop. I think you might be able to disrupt that Bucks system 
And I think once you get Brooke Lopez moving, you are in trouble <laughs> if you're the Bucks. I, I um, mean, rap, Raps have a good chance of doing that five-out system, though, because they have a guy like Marcus Gasol, have a guy like Serge, can spread the floor. Both shooting 40% this year, BTW. Yeah, yeah. No, the, oh, my God. Serge is having an awesome year, man. Serge is having an absolute awesome year. Like, Mark, obviously, the percentage, it, it's kind of wavering just because we haven't seen him play that much. Yeah, he's he's been in and in and out of the lineup so much with uh, with injuries. It's been a little bit difficult, but um, uh, the uh, one of the one of the things that gives the Bucks a, a little bit more of a chance is I think that Marvin Williams pickup at the trade deadline was sneakily underrated because that allows him to throw Giannis at the five, put Marvin Williams at the four, and now those mobility problems aren't such a problem. Um, and I think the Bucks are one of the teams that is really going to miss out on the last, you know, 15, 16 games or whatever it was, uh, just in terms of working him back into what they're trying to do. Um, I think it would have been really nice for the Bucks to get those extra games, but, uh, but you never know. I'll, I'll ask you this and then we'll go on to the Giannis topic. Better coaching. Uh, we talked about Nick Nurse earlier. Bud in his own right is, is a phenomenal coach as well. Which one would you pick if you? I mean, I know I know who Bradshaw is going to pick because he picked Nick Nurse a couple of years ago. So <laughs> already did, did yeah. And that's without yeah, I, with that's that's without knowing like how versatile and like creative he would be defensively. Like he didn't show that when he was an assistant. Like we saw the offense, but we never saw how creative he was defensively. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like and like that would just make like I obviously I love Bud and I think he's he's like what Nick Nurse did for the for the Raptors and how he's changed them. Bud has done that for the Bucks, and especially coming off of the heels of, in my mind, the worst coach in the NBA, Jason Kidd, at the time. I don't think there. I don't think there's much of an argument. I don't think there should be much of an argument. He's he was terrible. I I hate him. Um, <laughs> so like my love for Bud is even more because it was coming off the heels of Jason Kidd. But Nick, what Nick Nurse does defensively, how creative he is defensively, is, like I think that just puts him like a, a little bit like a step above of what of, of Bud. So when yeah. you you'd go Nurse as well, eh, Brad? Yeah, I think so, uh, because um, the 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 versatility in terms of what kind of schemes he's willing to trot out there, and and the other thing I like is the versatility that the Rost- Raptors roster has. We talked about that a little bit already, but but in terms of just straight coaching, like a Bud showed that he sort of got handcuffed a little bit last year by what Nurse was able to throw at him, and and if you get beat four straight games in the playoffs by a team that is about as good as you. I I don't really I don't really see how you can say you'd rather have that coach because uh, I mean watching watching Bledsoe and Giannis both at the top of the arc with the ball in one of their hands and the defenders just ignoring the one that's off ball as they like trade it back and forth it was was brutal and 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 I don't think that Bud moved quickly enough to shut that down last season. The way, I, uh, the way I like to look at it is, okay, if these guys were to swap teams randomly, right? If uh, Nick Nurse was, were to become the coach of the Bucks and Coach Bud were to become the coach of the Raptors, I think the Raptors become worse and I think the Bucks become better. And it's hard to say how much better the Bucks can become because they're already so great. But I do feel like the, Bu- the Bucks could potentially be a little bit better just because of that creativity that you mentioned. That, that's literally the only reason. You guys can agree, disagree with that, but that's just the way that I, I kind of process it in my head. Yeah. I just, think, I just think one thing, but like, I don't know how much worse the Raptors would be. It's just because I think Bud is good. The one thing Bud is really good at is finding, finding something that fits the, what his team does, like what the, what the team, what the scheme they have on defense with the, with the, 
right now with Milwaukee. He plays that because he knows he has a guy like Brook Lopez, who's he was a, a wasn't a great rim protector before, but he's made him into a pretty good rim protector. And like he can scheme, he finds a scheme that works for the t- for the team he has. But he's like like we've said, he's just he's not willing to move away from that when things aren't working. Yeah, yeah. But that that three point shot is something that like the Bucks and just Bud Systems in general rely on a lot. Yeah. Uh, offensively, I don't know. Uh, just just my two cents in the whole thing. Giannis. Let's do it. Let's let's do the let's let's do the conversation that everybody wants to talk about. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, obviously, Bradshaw. You probably think he's signing the supermax this season. I'm probably gonna. Disagree. No, I don't actually. I don't. I don't. I don't actually. I don't oh, think he's signing okay. the supermax. Is it because of the cap? Yes. Well, yeah. That's the main thing. I think he's signing. I just don't think it's gonna be a supermax. I think he'll do like a one plus one or maybe a two plus one, so so he can like maximize his maximize his value. I'm just saying, one plus one still keeps them open for 2021. Just, keep, just. <laughs> Wouldn't it be 2022? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, I mean, if it's a player option, then he could just opt out. He still, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Brad? What do you think? What are, what are we thinking about the Giannis debate? I think. I think Giannis will need a reason not to stay in Milwaukee. I think if if they go and make the finals this, I mean, theoretically, if there is a this season, if they make the finals this season, I think he's just, he's he'll, he's there for life probably. I think if they make, they don't make the finals this season, but they make it next season, he's probably there for good. Uh, I don't see how the Bucks, if he does decline, basically, unless he says, I'm leaving after this season, I don't see how the Bucks possibly let him go like you you wouldn't trade him like he's Kawhi last season or whatever because you saw what happened with Kawhi last season and it's not like the rest of the Bucks team is a bunch of scrubs they were the best team in the league this season in my opinion and um and and so I I think you got to see if he can get you to a title because if he does he's there for life I think almost for sure um so I, I think I think really the only way he leaves is if the Bucks fail to make the finals this year and next year. Um, I mean, which is a legitimate possibility. Like, uh, I think I think they would be favored to win every Eastern Conference series this season, but it wouldn't shock me necessarily if they if they lost a tough seven-game series to the Raptors or, or maybe even the Heat or the Sixers. I'm not sure. Um, it sort of depends what those teams can, can come up with to, to slow Giannis down. And how how well they shoot, to be honest, because the Bucks are going to give you those three pointers, but you gotta you gotta bang them down if you want to win. Yeah, that's true. Bradshaw, are are you more afraid of facing the Raptors in the playoffs or the Sixers? Because I know Raptors. Sixers are are Raptors. built a little bit more. Raptors, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm not confident in the 76ers enough offensively that like they can get something done like what they did on Christmas Day that they can do that four times in a row. Yeah, not in true. a row, but like four times in a series. Yeah, no, I I get that. That's fair. Man, uh, it, it's such an interesting concept. And then Bucks Twitter, Raptors Twitter, w- we've started to get a little bit of a rivalry brewing. <laughs> it, it's definitely there, and it's going to be a conversation starter for the next, uh, however long it takes for Giannis to resign. Right? Um, I, I think we can all agree on that. I think we can all agree that there's going to be some tension in the mm-hmm. air. Right? Mm-hmm. 
what I'm sure. what I'm hoping for is for Warriors fans to just sneak in and take all that heat off the Raptors. You know, they're, oh. they're going for Giannis. And Warriors fans, not. Warriors fans are worse. They're like in this whole Giannis thing, they're so much worse because <laughs> they're so they are so confident that they're just gonna give us they're gonna give Milwaukee Andrew Wiggins. They're like Milwaukee's. Yep, yep. All right, sure, Andrew Wiggins. I get like they're just gonna be forced to take him for some reason. Like they can't say no. Yeah, <laughs> just doesn't make any sense. They're like, oh yeah, we'll offer them Andrew Wiggins and some firsts, and the the idiots over there in Milwaukee will just have to say yes. Yeah, like, that's not how this works. I I love the passion. I love the passion. This is this is just it's just this. so frustrating. It's just so frustrating <laughs> seeing people who don't know what they're talking about, and all these rumors. Like oh, like like on Instagram, they like oh, do you think this trade would happen? No, I don't because it's dumb. <laughs> it just makes no sense. It just makes no sense. How or, uh, or S, what was your story? You were you were working the other day, and some some Greek lady came in and said there was there was a, a momentum in the Greek community in Toronto. Yeah, yeah good for them. Yeah, good yeah. for them. Good for yeah. them. That is a rumor I do put stock in. Yes, <laughs> listen, the Greek community in Toronto. It, Danforth is popping when it's popping, man. I'm just letting you know. My manager, so. my manager is Greek, and he doesn't. He didn't even know who Giannis was when I talked about him. He didn't even yeah. know who he was. Really? That's yeah. surprising. That's surprising. He didn't, he didn't know who I was talking about. Man, uh, this this is something we're gonna have to put on a hold. Wait, wait until mm-hmm. we get to an actual point where there's an NBA season. I hope we do get the NBA back at some point in time. Obviously, when it's safe, when everybody is ready, when we figure out a certain plan. Um, I, I mean, I, I do think we're gonna get the NBA back at some point this season. Some kind of season will happen. I think it's. I think it seems like it's edging towards that now. Yeah. Well, you saw. You saw. It seems like that. Right. Yeah, and it just. It seems like that's where things are going with like the, all the rumors that are coming out with like Adam Silver saying in two to four weeks we'll have a decision, and all the reports that like it seem to be like they're progressing towards that. It seems like it's going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Are we? Are we going to do a whole? Uh, I, I'm hoping I can see a whole season breakdown for the defense of the Raptors soon, Brad. <laughs> I I have broken down the defense in uh, in every game that they've won this season. So check out my channel for that. All right, all right, I got you, I got you. Well, um, it, by the way, if if you want to just plug anything that you'd like to throw out there that you, that's going to be dropping soon for you, go ahead. Sure. Uh, check out my YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com/slash/TooMuchHoops. Uh, there I do breakdowns of. Uh, primarily the Raptors defense. If you're a Raptors fan, you'll love this. I also have broken down some games from other contenders this season, uh, Lakers, Clippers, Celtics, that kind of thing. Uh, the Bucks a lot, if you're listening to this. Uh, the Bucks I did, a lot. I did, I, I did see the, I did see the Bucks stuff. I did see the Bucks stuff. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate it, and I appreciate it. Oh, that's good. I, I'm glad I was able to reach you. <laughs> I love how the back... The battle of the Brads has turned into the ballad of the Brads. Like <laughs> I can't, I can't re- get. He hasn't said anything rude about the Bucks. I can't get mad about it. Like I, I think we we both have mutual respect for each other's team, so it's fine. And mutual disdain for the you know the Bledsoe's and that kind of thing. I don't even hate Bled. That's the problem. Is I don't hate Bledsoe like everybody else seems to. That's the problem. Do Bucks fans <laughs> hate Bledsoe? Is that a thing? There's a segment. Like there's a segment. Some people think he's like uh, they see his performance in the playoffs and they think that's all he is, but. Then there are other people who like see how good he is on defense, and they think that's all he is. So it's kind of like on both sides. Okay, I got you. That's they fair. just swing. The pendulum swings too far one way or the other. <laughs> and and then the other thing I want to plug is my Patreon, patreoncom hoops. Mm. and there I do some writing and some podcast content uh, about Raptors or about other teams as well. 
I just did a little mailbag Q&A touching on a lot of uh, the Raptors' future, Siakam ceiling, that kind of thing. I did all defensive teams, uh, which you might be interested to know, Bradshaw, Ooh. includes uh, multiple Bucks players. That means Brooke Lopez is on there. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> there there might have been a Bledsoe sighting as well on the phone. Oh, even better. Even better. <laughs> the, the way he gets over screens and is able to contest from behind, I think, is really valuable to their system. And as the, the best defense in the league, I had to, I had to throw him in there. <laughs> Yeah. And I think I meant to, I did mean to bring that up when when you mentioned Blood so early and, and Bud not taking him out was I think that was part of it is he's so crucial to what they do defensively with getting over screens that he it's hard to take him out of the it's hard to take him out and be confident in what a guy like Brogdon or George Hill will be able to do on defense as well. Yeah, yeah, and one of the nice things that the Bucks did this season was getting um, Dante Divincenzo a little bit more developed and and he does a similar sort of thing. He's a nice pick dodger as well. Um, and has that sort of similar athleticism to be able to jump and contest from behind. Um, and then Wes Matthews was another nice perimeter pickup, just in terms of like a stout defender who can knock down a three. So I, I, that's part of the reason I like the Bucks options this season. Okay, cool. Very cool. You should have brought out your uh, DiVincenzo jersey. I, I thought about that right as, right <laughs> as you were talking about him. I was like, I should have brought my DiVincenzo jersey out. Next time. Next time. Ne- exactly, next time. Brad, thank you very much for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Oh, my it. pleasure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's great to talk uh, defense sometimes just because we get so bogged down into offense. And I know it only, it only took the season to shut down for two months for you to get to talk about defense. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point, man. That is a fair point. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Shoot Your Shot podcast. We will see you guys later. Have a good one. Shoot your shot. Hey, come on now. Shoot your shot. Hey. Shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot your shot.